The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with the National Council of Catholic Men, presents the Holy Agony. Hey, man, is that Freedom Rock? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. Go tell that fox who has a mind to kill me that he is helpless. He cannot kill me until I have done my work. And I have three days' work to do. If we enter this place of sacrifice as he entered the garden, then we need never fear the outcome. Why are we already won? Foxes will be caught in their own traps. Schemers will be caught in their own schemes. But because these hundreds of thousands of chosen souls have been signed with the sign of the cross and sealed with the seal of salvation, because they have borne their cross in Christ in that hour, they will rise with Christ. This war to them is the story of a seed. Evil has its hour. God will have his day. Instead, they speak, ubi et orbi, 
to the city and to the world. All day long, I stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. That disobedient and obstinate people, which is the quotation from Isaiah, and also quoted by St. Paul in the letter to the Romans, is addressed to us. We are faithless Israel. We, disobedient and obstinate. We, walking our own paths. You see, our Lord on the cross is not dying just for the sins of people who are dead already. But as St. John Henry Newman so movingly puts it, the double agony in man that he underwent in the garden and on the cross is all human sin. The Lord's humanity is overwhelmed in the garden to the extent that he sweats drops like blood. All human sin is born in his body. And that means all human sin, past, present, and future, it means mine, and it means yours too. If you want to know what the Lord is contemplating in the garden, and what he is contemplating on the cross, he is contemplating my sin and your sin, individually, every single one of them. And so when you gaze on the cross in a moment, if you're not moved to tears on this day, to see his beauty so defiled, then perhaps remember that it is you and your sins that have defiled it. When you gaze upon that cross, we realize that we put the Lord of Life there. We have become somewhat immune to the ugly nakedness of the cross. A disgusting pagan implement of torture. The most foul and painful of deaths. In my study, there is a crucifix which was a gift to me during the pandemic last year. And it's a cross which is mounted on driftwood. And it sounds a little twee. But the driftwood on which this cross is mounted has taken on a hue that could only be described as like meat. The crucifix itself looks as though it is born and created out of flesh. It's a very troubling image. It's a very troubling crucifix. I think it's wonderful, but it is very, very challenging at the same time. And it's challenging because it is not polished. It's challenging because there is an ugliness in it. It is very moving, but also has no attempt to dress up in a diamond-encrusted nonsense the reality of Christ on the cross. We do not need sanitized, domesticated crosses, because that means that we do not understand quite what is happening. To cast our minds away from the reality of the cross is to take one step away from Calvary with our back to the Lord. 
The truth is that the beauty of the cross is not therefore in its adornment or in the way that it was made, even though that can be, of course, a matter of great art. Its beauty instead is something else, which when we're reflecting upon our sins that put him there, we might do well to consider. The beauty of the cross is the obedience of the Son, and obedience is something that we find oh so difficult, particularly in our day. You see, the path home that we chose when we sin is the path of renewed obedience, constantly given, constantly renewed. And that means obedience to God, obedience to His laws and His precepts, obedience to His Church, and obedience to her rights. We are that Israel gone astray. The inscription on the church in Rome is addressed to us. And the flock that went astray, of course, to save these sheep, the sheep themselves, put the shepherd on a gibbet. We must get rid, finally, of the fairy tale scene of the cross. We must hear the anger of the crowd, so movingly sung for us by our scholar. We have no king but Caesar. Away with him. Crucify him. If you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. The cutting rebukes of the crowd to Pilate have such an intense dishonor, such an intense turning away from the covenant that they are truly shocking and very loyally, may I say, it seems that the attorneys were certainly present to tell Pilate that they release him because he's made himself a king, he is no friend of Caesar, and then to claim that the Jewish people have no king but Caesar. scene of the cross is a scene that many of us like to pray with, like to dwell upon, and sometimes throughout our childhood when we've been invited to look at that scene, we end up making it neat around the edges. But let me paint a different scene for you. The Lord, when he was nailed to the cross, is already half dead from the torture that he has endured. And we know this because he dies rather quickly on the cross without his legs being broken. With surprise even Pilate, he had been beaten and tortured to the point of death before he was even nailed. But part of the reality of crucifixion is a very slow and painful humiliating death one which inevitably involves the evacuation of all bodily fluid. So you can imagine how disgusting Calvary, the place of crucifixion, would be Golgotha, the place of the skull, the stench of it, the dirt, the filth. And in this filth comes the Lamb himself and the Blessed Mother. 
and in his last act, he gives to us his mother because we need her. His broken body is placed into her lap. You can smell the fetid muck of calvary, like a latrine, and we lay our God literally in our mess. His body goes cold in her arms. ago, there shall be great tribulation, a great test of your faith. Do we still believe in God? Can we believe in God? If you believe in God and strive to believe in God, what will the world do? This is a wicked and an unbelieving generation. Such a deception that goes on calling good evil and evil good that if God doesn't help us, we will perish. This vacation came from God in the form of man. The devil offered him three shortcuts to the conquest of the world. And the first shortcut was be an economic king, give the people bread, turn stones into bread, everyone will follow you, then you'll be the kind of a messiah that everyone wants, do not take up a cross. Something spectacular, some great technological scientific wonder. Throw yourself from a steeple and be unhurt. What people like are marvels. Rockets sent to moon, things like that. They'll win, souls. But don't worry about the cost. Then finally, Satan said, You want to win the world, don't you? Well, fall down and adore me. I'll give you the world. I'm master of it. Was indeed. Our blessed Lord refused. 
bowed down before him. He said that he would be lifted up. He said he did not want Satan's world. All that he wanted was an earth that was large enough to contain a cross. Because I know that time is always time, and place is always and only place, and what is actual is actual only for one time and only for one place. I rejoice that things are what they are, and I renounce the blessed face, and renounce the voice, because I cannot hope to turn again, consequently I rejoice, having to construct something upon which to rejoice. And pray to God to have mercy upon us, and pray that I may forget these things that with myself I too much discuss, too much explain. Because I do not hope to turn again, let these words answer for what is done, not to be done again. May the judgment not be too heavy upon us. Because these wings are no longer wings to fly, but merely vans to beat the air. The air which is now thoroughly small and dry, smaller and drier than the will. To just to care and not to care. Remember, man, you are dust, and to dust you will return.
mountain by themselves and was transfigured before them. His face shone as the sun, his garments became red as snow, and then there appeared to them Moses and the rest, talking together with them. That people addressed Jesus saying, Lord, it is good for us to be here, but thy word, let us set up three tents here, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias.
Blessed Lord gathered his apostles about him the night of the Last Supper. He said that he was anxious to eat that Passover meal with them. And he then began to wash the feet of his disciples. So he took a basin of water, washed the feet of them all. Peter protested. Judas said nothing. But when our blessed Lord had finished the washing, he said to them, One of you is about to betray me. Is it I, Lord? One said, Is it I, Master? One said, Who is it, Lord? 
Ten said, is it I, Lord? In the presence of divinity, no one can be sure of his innocence. Judas said, is it I, Master? We can call Jesus Lord only by the Spirit. We who believe in the divinity of Christ are so convinced by the Spirit which Christ sent us. Judas did not have the Spirit. So to our blessed Lord, he was only a master, like Buddha, or Confucius, or any guru of the day. be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. God in the garden. So now our blessed Lord 
ushers in our restoration in the garden. In Gethsemane, Christ took humanity's sin upon himself. In Gethsemane, Christ interceded with his Father. In Gethsemane, the new Adam Christ sought out the Father in submission and resignation. In Gethsemane, our Lord told Peter to sheathe the sword that he had carried. My Father, if it be possible, let this chalice pass me by. Only as thy will is, not as mine.
belong to this world. My attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king, Jesus answered. You say, I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, Truth, what is truth? confess my sins, to do penance, and amend my life. Amen. God love you.